0: the best time of the day show. So it's Friday, it's time for our omnibus, which means you can hear all the stuff you missed this week in one fell swoop. Now, Butlins is a venerable institution and uh, has been part of the Great British Summer for many a long year. So it wasn't until 1983 that I actually... Got to go to Butlins and went to Butlins in Skegness, and this was actually for work. I went there to do a holiday programme about Butlins, and I think Butlins was in a period of trans well transition at that particular point from the old style chalet type thing with the old style knobbly knees competitions etc. to the more sophisticated offer that they sort of had later on. And so therefore we uh, turned up and we were allocated our chalet, which was fair enough, which was uh, reasonably comfortable if you like that sort of scout hut type thing. And uh, we were on second meal. Now, this is the thing. So they have two sittings. We were second sitting. And the thing is the second sitting is that certain things that occurred earlier are evident if you're on second sitting. So much so that we sat down at our table on one day to discover that it was actually swimming in gravy. They had tablecloth, but it was swimming in gravy. So what do you do? You know, I mentioned, I'm sorry, I make no bones about this. You know, as a middle class boy from the Midlands, when the lady came over, I said, excuse me, do you think you could change the tablecloth? Why? Well, look at it. You know, there's three gallons of gravy all over it. Have you done that? No, I haven't. You know, there's a lot of muttering going on. Away they went, came back and provided us with a a new tablecloth, which is a good start. Now, what they were doing, it was actually when you think you had, they have hundreds and hundreds of people to feed over a fairly sort of short period of time and also fairly economically. It's not going to be, it's not going to get a Michelin star. And what they would do, they would turn up with a, a rack, which they, they had handles, a rack with handles. And each of these handles at the racks had enough room for four or five plates. So what they would whiz past your uh, table, go whack, 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 whack. And then dessert whack, 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 whack. And off they went. And so you'd sort of eat your way through whatever thin gruel it was that they'd actually provided. And uh, then they'd come back. Collect up the plates onto the rack again, disappeared and then it was time for pudding. Whack, 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 whack. Okay, and so therefore you'd be in a cup of tea or something at that particular point, and they would come round with great big those wonderful big uh catering type urns or those those teapots which have you have to have a a handle at the front by the spout as well as the main handle because they're too heavy because they hold about a gallon of tea and the same thing with the coffee and so they'd started laying the table actually for the evening meal at this particular point so therefore there were two cups which is quite interesting okay fair enough so i had a cup of tea and then they came round and said uh would you like something else "Uh, yeah i wouldn't mind a cup of coffee please okay so i used the other cup cup of coffee and then the original waitress came round with was to collect up the plates and looked at me and looked at the fact that i had two cups and went here you've muckied another cup <laughs> i mentioned in an earlier podcast that one of my first jobs with the bbc was to be sent round when they were short and uh one of my outposts as i mentioned earlier uh was radio cleveland in middlesbrough and at those in those days it was above uh, a gentleman's outfitters I remember that, and the roof leaked, and they said they could. The engineers had got some sort of contraption going to make sure that the water didn't leak onto the technology in the studio. Otherwise, there'd be a fizz and a crackle, and that would be the end of it. But the schedule was very bizarre on BBC local radio stations back in the early days in the 70s, whatever, and uh, Radio Cleveland was no different because it had its own breakfast show. And then it would join Radio Four for sort of you and yours and things like that. Then it would have a bit more of its own stuff. And then it would stop at lunchtime for sort of four days a week for the World at One and the Archers. And then it, but on one day we would have some education programs. And then it would have a sort of drive time program. And then it would take the serial from Radio Four and the six o'clock news, I think, and the serial from Radio Four. Then go to radio two but between the end of radio four and radio two you actually had to bridge that locally so therefore it was my job as a continuity announcer to uh, to find out what was going on so i used how to phone london this was terribly exciting you'd phone the radio four continuity suite and you'd phone was, hello there radio cleveland you know, we had the numbers and this voice of wonderful radio four stentorian says hello Conte." Ah, uh, it's Radio Four. Yes, uh, it's Radio Cleveland here. Oh, hello, Outpost. Ha ha. Uh, yes, it's us. Can you tell me how uh, the last episode of Lord Peter Whimsy finishes? All oh, right. Yes, it finishes uh, at um, uh, six fifty nine forty four on music. All oh, right. Thank you very much indeed because I've got to bridge the gap between that and uh, Radio 2's news at 7 o'clock. OK, good luck. Bye. So therefore, you right, OK, so I've got sort of 40 seconds or whatever to, to bridge, right? I've got to think about what I'm going to say, publicise the shows coming to tomorrow's breakfast show and things like that. OK, right. And, uh... Anyway, someone ambled into the studio and uh, you go, "Ah, oh, you're one of these chaps from London, aren't you? From the, I said, well, I'm based in Birmingham, but yeah, I'm on the, the reserve. We travel around filling in when uh, you lot are quite skilled, aren't you? I said, well, I wouldn't say that necessarily. And just then out of the corner of my ear, I heard music. I said, Hang on a second. I've got to do an announcement. I faded down the music and then you had to listen to what was going on to find out when you could join radio 2 as well as i put what we call the prefade key up to hear what was going this wasn't going out on air this is what i was talking but listening as i tried to find out what was happening i heard the words so how did you know the butler did it then lord peter and I looked at the clock. It was about five 2 I'd opted out of some incidental music. And so nobody who was listening to the Lord Peter Whimsey final episode... Ever found out who did it. Because I'd faded out early. So I babbled away. I can't remember what I said now. I babbled away. Until uh, they got the time signal. The, the pips for, for seven o'clock and radio... T- and slunk home. Thinking, that's it. This is the end of my career. And you know what? Nobody said a word. Yeah. Now one of my outposts was in Leeds, and uh, we used to go to a pub there, which was great actually. And we were welcomed by the landlord, who was a bit like um, Amos Brearley from Emmerdale, if you remember him. And it was a bit of a rough pub, really. But we used to take guests over there afterwards, and you'd have all these blokes, you know, sort of, you know, good, solid, working gl- guys in there, you know, having a few pints, etc. And uh, you know, you'd turn up with some 80s pop star or whatever, and of course their eyes would pop out their head. And uh, we we went. We he went in there one day with Kid Creole and his coconuts. And uh, again, you know, you've never seen anything like it. These blokes, you go, <laughs> they didn't know what to say. It was just silence. Absolute silence. He was staring at this bloke and this going, oh, hi. And his coconuts would go, hello, you know, in their American accent. And they sat down and uh, we got them <laughs> a drink and gradually things sort of restarted. But what they didn't notice, I don't know if it was that occasion or another occasion, just sitting there minding your own business. And out of the corner of her eye, we noticed something on the bar gradually working its way towards the uh, the bread rolls or, the, uh, or maybe the, the pickled eggs at the corner. And that was a mouse. Uh, so I don't think it would have got five stars for hygiene this particular boozer. And, uh, and this mouse ran along the bar and disappeared. But the thing is that if you were in with the landlord it was great and he was brilliant. But there were so many signs saying don't do this and don't do that. For an outsider it could have been kind of unwelcoming. In fact there was a poor Polish chap who'd come in out the wind and the rain to have a drink once and he was sitting there and he got ejected unceremoniously because he wasn't drinking quickly enough so you know if you're in a pub in yorkshire don't have a half and make it last for two hours is the answer uh, the family itself was an interesting one because um I, i'm not entirely sure how it worked exactly but i have a nasty suspicion that um the landlord's wife was his sister they had a, a couple of uh, children who were you know, very affable, but slightly unusual. Uh, and one of them used to turn up. We because the pub shut uh, after lunch back in those days, the early eighties, etc. And they didn't open again till about half past five, which was typical because I used to do an afternoon show at the pub po- at that time, and uh, the, the program director would come in and go. Have you finished? I went, yes, good. They're open in half an hour. And that's all he cared about. If I'd finished on the radio, there were pubs were open in half an hour. So that was okay. I don't think he ever listened to me on the radio once. And so we'd all go up to the pub at 5.30 when it opened uh, and went in. We'd be in there a few minutes and suddenly the door would burst open and this chat would stagger in looking like an absolute ghost because he was covered in flour and it was the landlord and landlady's son who had a job at the local bakery and it was sort of five o'clock night, and he'd finish making the bread for the next day or whatever and he'd come home as soon as he could but of course he hadn't had a chance to clean himself up so he actually was covered from head to foot in fine white powder now if ever i write a book this is definitely going to be in there and uh It seems that the early days. I had a girlfriend at the time who um, was there when the uh, Radio Lincolnshire, BBC Radio Lincolnshire, opened for business about 1980. And of course, uh, brand new station, it's a new staff, all young, keen, enthusiastic, etc. And of course, there's that thing that they're not on the air yet, so there's a lot of sort of you know people who meeting each other for the first time. And yeah, you know, people hit it off and stuff like that. And of course, there's the you know you've got to get the studios sorted out. You've got to get all your contributors sorted out. You've got to decide how the programmes are going to go and who's going to be doing what, this sort of stuff. And how then you get all your contacts for the news and things like that. And of course, one of the things you have, uh I don't know where they have them to the same extent these days. You have a radio car, and this was usually something like a comma van or, or, or a, a sort of um, you know, an Austin Allegro or something like that with a great big uh, twenty-four area which came out by com- compressed. There. and so you could drive around the, your area and put this aerial up and uh, broadcast back to uh, the station Uh, and uh, to this I must reference uh, the uh, podcast Mickey Meltdown uh, where someone at Radio Leicester actually had a complete meltdown because they couldn't get their radio car to work but this is quite different because in fact um, it seems that all thoughts of programming had gone out of the window because a couple had set off in order to uh, go around presumably doing a bit of PR because they don't think the station was on the air at that particular point so you drive around with Radio Lincolnshire written on the side of of your radio car and uh, it seemed that they you know obviously getting to know people and uh, it seemed that uh, this boy and this girl were you know getting getting on quite famously so um from what i heard it wasn't me i had to point out they, they 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 decided to pull over into a lay-by for uh, a little bit of um, a relax should i say and um I think they must have been really into each other because when they sort of uh, started to rearrange their clothing a bit later on have that sort of post-coital cigarette thing uh, and sort of wipe the steam off the windows uh, the lady in question reaching for her handbag discovered that the handbag was no longer in the car which meant At some point, mid-ag, they were so interested in one another, they hadn't heard someone opening the door and stealing the woman's handbag and gently closing the door behind them. The best time of the day show is back Monday. Best Time of the Day show is a Loading Zone production. la da